I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And, and welcome, welcome to the world of tomorrow! everyone it's a futurama fancast and we are already in our pajamas <laughs> today's episode is sponsored by bachelor chow now with flavor and robo fresh designed by a robot for a robot <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for this episode we watched i roommate episode three of season one ed i found some conflicting information on this it was either april 6th or april 7th in 1999 um, it was directed by Brett Harland, written by Eric Horsted. The opening caption is As Seen on TV. And the opening cartoon, they're continuing to use uh, Baby Bottleneck, which was the same cartoon as the last episode featuring Porky Pig. Hmm. Um, my, I don't know about you, I think we have the same-ish DVD. Mm-hmm. But I found some slight interesting anomalies about this as, at least as a DVD episode, mm-hmm. and that this didn't actually have the subtitle underneath the yes. logo when it appeared. I noticed that as well. So I thought that was slightly interesting. Yeah. Um, and I noticed that the screen was wobbling weirdly, and I don't know if that's a... Was that mm. my DVD, or did I you d- find that? I didn't notice oh, okay. it, but perhaps it did, and I was distracted by a passing owl who can say (laughs) for a few reasons i started to think that this was the first episode they'd animated all right um and so i looked up and it's everywhere still says that it's the third in production but then i found something saying that a lot of it was animated before character designs and 3d models had been done ah and so i think this is one of the few episodes where the the Planet Express ship is drawn mm. rather than 3D. Yeah. Um, and I just, I noticed certain from an animation point of view, mm-hmm. Bender, like Bender seemed in, a, in some shots slightly off model in a weird way that you wouldn't see normally. Um, of the two of us, you are far more qualified <laughs> to comment on yeah, the animation. <laughs> I just, I, I noticed every, just... They were drawn in ways that they wouldn't be drawn later. Um, sure. And because uh, I was reading up about it and the scene, I, we'll, I'm skipping ahead, we'll go for an episode thing in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the scene when they're in the foodo mat, a food like, yeah, yeah. a sushi bar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they had written assuming they could do it all CGI. Yeah. But then... They hadn't got there yet, and they had to <laughs> animate everything painstakingly. And like, why are they even in that location unless you want to show off that you can do CGI stuff? <laughs> um, I you was also talking about the air date, and I read something sort of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the UK, this aired on BBC Two on. The 11th of September, 2001. Hmm. And this is the show that was interrupted for the BBC News. Huh. Which is... 
a bit of a solemn start to this episode, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm afraid. But I found it, in, I, I found no, it interesting. No, is. This is the show. Yeah. Um, so, before we start it, uh, yeah. I, should we go through the episode? Uh, yeah, why don't you do the uh, the episode summary this time, as I croaked, okay. <laughs> as I croaked my way through it last time. Um, well, there's less, there's definitely less uh, sort of parts to this story. Um, I definitely got a sense that it's them trying to uh, do a down-to-earth character-driven episode rather than mm-hmm. the, the the last two, which are both kind of chaste, like, yeah. quite action-based. Um, so Fry is living in uh, Planned Express um, headquarters, Farnsworth's lab, I don't know what it's really called, um, and everyone else are, uh, are tired of Fry being a bit of a slob, and um, he does things like dry his hair in the um, ship's thrusters. You do get um, excellent lift. Yeah. Um, Etc. So um, is it then that Bender offers... Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bender offers uh, to be Fry's roommate, so Fry goes back to um, Robot Arms... Mm-hmm. Apartments, that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, we then discover that robots sleep in tiny little cubicles, and uh, but Bender is completely oblivious to it being inappropriate for Fry. Um, Fry does try and live there for a bit, yeah. <laughs> like, I think they mention it being a week, or you know, so, yeah, it's a week. Um, so then both of them decide to go house hunting. Um, they, uh, eventually end up in the house of one of Professor Farnworth's recently deceased friends. <laughs> um, and everything's great for a while. There's a bit of an odd couple kind of vibe, but I don't know exactly why, because they seem to get on really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and however... Um, Bender's antenna causes their giant TV to um, uh, fizzle out. I don't know what else to say. Mm-hmm. Um, causing them to force and cry to kick out Bender. He then um, doesn't drink, and we get to see what happens when robots don't um, drink, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a bit of toing and froing about them living there and him getting his antenna back and stuff, whatever. But eventually, the culmination is that Fry moves back with Bender, and then Bender says, "Oh, you can put uh, your little tree in the closet, and it is a spacious apartment that Fry then lives in for the rest of the series." Yeah. Ta-da! <laughs> um. So, mm-hmm. what do you think about this episode? Like, what are your what are your feelings towards it? Um, I wrote at the top of my sheet, which I think's a bit cruel. I said it's quite weak, mm-hmm. but it's. I feel like it's intentional. It's definitely a slow down, mm-hmm. but like. I don't, I just, I found myself not laughing as much. No, same. I definitely didn't have as many laughs watching this one. Um, 
there's some really good lines. Mm-hmm. But uh like there's there's slow episodes that are yeah. um you know also really really funny. Mm-hmm. Um I just think for whatever reason characters were just sort of being not their best, maybe. Sure. It's it's an interesting one though, because as as has been the trend, like there's stuff being introduced uh in in this episode that becomes such staples of the of the show as a whole going forward like this is the first time we really uh see the gag about the owl problem in new yes. york city which i adore so much no no cockroaches are no long no it's not new york rats it's owls <laughs> Yeah. And you just see them like hooting and pottering around in the garbage outside Planet Express. And then uh, it's one of the things that Hermes cites as a problem with, with Fry living at the office is that uh, someone's leaving food out and uh, so, and uh, they're not even cleaning out the owl traps. And you hear a snap and a whoo just <laughs> off screen, which is just, uh, which is fabulous. Uh, we get... Uh, the introduction of all my circuits and the uh, the most amazing of all actors, uh, Calculon. Yeah, I think all my circuits is the highlight of this episode. Um, <laughs> they, it, it's really, I I think we'll touch on in later episodes a bit more about how, like many sci-fi shows, they use robots and aliens as metaphors for, mm-hmm. um, whatever. But I like in all my circuits it's it has the human character as how many of many shows <laughs> featuring a predominantly um non-white cast might have a token white character that everyone hates mm-hmm. um and i don't know i really i will get on to how great all my circuits is in a uh, yeah, bit. and the fact that we later get to meet Calculon, who Bender is a fan of, he has a stolen signed photo mm-hmm. with his own name hand, pain, uh, painstakingly written on after the fact. But uh, Calculon is a character in his, although we only see him in this episode as an act as his char- as the character of Calculon, as opposed to Calculon the actor. So uh, that's uh, well, it's like it's mm. a bit like Krusty or Troy McClure or something. Where yeah. You sort of forget that they'll meet them eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, there's I, a mm-hmm. go on, go no, on. I was just going to say, there's also uh, we get our first hint of one of my favourite long-running gags, which is Bender's desire to kill all humans <laughs> yeah. uh, when he's talking in his sleep. Uh, just like yeah, kill all humans, and then like Fry wakes him up. And it's just like, oh, I was having a wonderful dream. I think you were in it. And uh, But he goes back to sleep with a, hey, mama, I want to kill all humans. And it... <laughs> well, ambushed. Good night. Wait, Bender? Bender? <sighs> kill all humans. Kill all humans. Must kill all humans. Bender, wake up. <clears throat> I was having the most wonderful dream. I think you were in it. Uh, uh listen, Bender, uh, uh, where's your bathroom? Bath what? Bathroom. What room? Bathroom. What what? Ah, never mind. Mm. Hey, sexy mama. Wanna kill all humans? It's a great gag that pays off, though I did have the thought this time, um, given what we later learn about um, 
who Bender is manufactured by, um, aka uh, Mom's friendly robot company. Given what we come to learn about Mom and her somewhat megalomania, makes me mm. wonder if that is in fact maybe it's something I just had to pass the pass. I wonder if that's built into all of Mom's robots. Yeah, like there's a little sleeper bit of um, yeah, maybe literally that only comes out when they shut off. Well, it's interesting because a uh, spoiler for a later episode. All robots built by Mom's Robot Company have a chip in them because she can literally hit a button mm. and all the robots literally sort of switch to it's like sleeper mode, like you say. So it, did, it it tickled me the notion that maybe there's something in Bender's coding or whether that's just a quirk of Bender's personality. Yeah, it's left Either unclear. Way, it may it's left unclear in this episode, um, but I think it's probably safe to assume that like i think it um, isn't one of the movies about a full-on robot uprising maybe i don't know my my memory is foggier of the later stuff um eh, we'll find out when we get there <laughs> yeah um there's a little tiny yeah, joke say something oh um mm-hmm. oh in turn we like to look out for minor recurring character first appearances Last episode we had gel- um, mm-hmm. horrifying giant gelatinous blob or whatever his name was. Um, this episode has the mm-hmm. sort of old lady character who um, yes. I think is the landlady uh, of this place. Um, and she comes back every now and again whenever they need that voice. <laughs> um, but, you know, other than that, I do think this episode is... It's interesting how each episode has been uh, solidifying something about Fry's new life, mm-hmm. um, and like with with even that said, he's still adjusted incredibly quickly. Like, oh god, yeah. He feels really at home, and um, there's a shot. One of uh, a shot that I really love in this episode is when he's watching TV with Bender, and then the TV starts getting smaller. Yeah. And everyone's dragging him out. Um, and I just think that it, it shows that he's... Like we said in the first episode, I think being a New Yorker, he kind of has settled in, mm-hmm. like, more or less to his old life. I feel that's a really good... It's something that when we asked on Twitter for people to um, to share their thoughts about the episode, we'll get back to people's comments later. But um, So I saw their comment, and uh, I have to put it we get the beginning of the digs at New Jersey, which is yes. such a New Yorker thing to do. Or is my understanding that the running gag about what New Yorkers think of New Jersey probably mm. started with this episode of Futurama. But yeah, because we, um, as part of the uh, the house hunting montage that we see, which is only actually like three properties, but you, we see the ads and it's suspiciously perfect apartment or whatever it is. And then you're just like, wow, this place is amazing. And it's just like, What's wrong with it? Said, Nothing. It's all actually wonderful. Though you are technically in New Jersey. And then the, it cut. And this is a perfect apartment. It cuts back to Planet X. It's like, unbelievable. Not one remotely habitable place. <laughs> and it's just like, oh my God. Hey, there's my little space heater. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm moving out. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, Bender, but there's just not enough room. Not enough room? My place is two cubic meters, and we only take up 1.5 cubic meters. We've got room for a whole nother two-thirds of a person. 
What if I just help the two of you find a bigger apartment? I don't know. I got a lot of great memories in my old place. And now they're gone. Sure, it ain't one of them la-di-da above-ground places, but if you like Bank, forget about it. At least it's got a great view. Excuse me, I gotta go change a light bulb. Wow, now this is fantastic. Hmm, I'm not sure we want to pay for a dimension we're not going to use. Well, I give up. What's the catch? Oh, no catch. Although we are technically in New Jersey. Not one place even remotely livable. Like, I know, I know house hunting montages are almost a little bit of a cliche, but if anyone has house hunted mm -hmm. um i don't think of this there's a <laughs> the, my most quoted house hunting comedy line is from gavin and stacy when right. they they're looking around one house and i think that it's horrible it's basically like a shell in a, a warehouse and um i think the the estate agent's just explaining that you can shower yourself in this like tap in the middle of the room <laughs> I think Stacy just goes, I'd like to go home now, please. <laughs> and I got that I got that feeling from uh the underwater one. I like yeah, when the guy is the, just uh, like, oh Kraken. I just need to do... Yeah, I just need to deal with something, puts a knife in his mouth. Yeah. Um uh, what um uh, amusing like we that that the crack at uh New Jersey, they also aren't afraid of taking a crack at New York either. We mentioned them being at the food mat uh Fry and Bender. And Fry's just like, oh, to refrigerate is still come in boxes. And Bender's just like, yeah, but the rent's astronomical. Yeah. <laughs> Which just uh, really tickled me. Uh, yes. Now I, I live in a <laughs> in a city and know the pain. Um, I don't live I, in a city and know the pain of rent. So. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, I'm just trying to think. I've, I've got notes and I'm sort of jumping about. I, yeah, that's the, yeah. Well, no, it's just that this episode has little moments of that tickled me. But it, yeah. it, and what's funny is that I had really fond memories of this episode, and I still, I don't think it's bad. Mm. Um, I think I like the central concept of them living together, and I feel really warm about that kind of moment in their lives. Yeah. Um, more so than, like, yeah, good I, jokes. Yeah, I, I feel... It's kind of a shame because what the, the crux of the episode, with all the trimmings around it and everything, what it boils down to is Bender really cares about Fry. He likes yeah. being friends with Fry. As much as he has the gag about, like, kill, as much as we have that kill all humans gag, which also then becomes funny when you think about, oh, maybe that is a sleeper agent thing. This is this is one of my this is gonna be like when we when we start tin hatting future armor theories, that's gonna definitely be one of mine. But like Bender has that line in the episode, she's like of all my uh, fry of all my friends, you're the first. Oh yeah. That's such a nice line. Yeah. And but like when Bender isn't gonna be living with Fry, he goes on this <laughs> Bender, where he stops hmm. drinking. And yes. but at the end, like 
as when Fry finds out that this has really messed with Bender, he feels bad about it. And while mm. we have this great moment of them replicating the moment from all my circuits about apologizing, but it's the wrong one doing it. And although like Bender's like, oh, I'll cut off my antenna so I can live here. And Fry's just like, oh, okay, cool. That'll work. Because Fry doesn't know. He wasn't there for the conversation about what an antenna means. Mm. And that's just Fry just like, oh, yeah, okay. Because then we get to live in this cool place. We're both happy then. And I think it's a shame the episode isn't stronger. Or maybe it's just it doesn't live up to the central conceit. Just like, these two guys are really good friends. I mean, it also just, maybe it just doesn't live up to the first two episodes, which are... So strong. Yeah, and we said that every second they're establishing something that Mm -hmm. we already have warm feelings for. Yeah. Um, I actually, if you take this episode in the context of it being the third one and you've never seen anything else, I think a lot of this episode is trying to soften Bender because all we've seen of him so Mm. far is... He's been incredibly antisocial and suicidal, and um, even in the second episode, he's like, I think the last line we hear him say before this, this episode is like, "I'll kill you, Amy." <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. I think, like, in order to get the viewer to like Bender more, I think showing his friendship to Fry is a really smart move because it is really sweet. Mm, it and, is, yeah. um they are, you know, the first friends that each other made in this world. Mm-hmm. And um, um, yeah, you started like what uh, the odd couple reference because obviously it's like the odd couple theme that's playing as they uh, trash this former friend of the professors and turn the very nice apartment into a shithole mm. of a bachelor pad. But because um, obviously the odd couple is about somebody's very neat and somebody's very messy. When you but um, and in which case, like Bender and Fry are both like slobs and gross guys in terms of personalities they're very very different when you think about how like uh fry's optimism versus uh bender's cynicism like Mm. they're very different people but leela's kind of realism in the middle Mm -hmm. um yeah i i've I've written down a line i really want to yeah but uh before they go on their house hunting Bender says, I have a lot of good memories of my old place. And now they're gone. <laughs> that was such a great moment. Um, it's, it's funny, because again, this show is still balancing like humour coming from mm-hmm. character and humour coming from the sci-fi world. Most um, definitely. So even a joke like that, that's sci-fi, is still performed really well and very human. Mm. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Chekhov's mini fruit salad tree that Leela brings Fry. Because <laughs> one, you get the great moment of Fry peeling a tiny banana and dropping the skin, which Amy manages to slip and fall on, not once, but twice, mm-hmm. which is which is great. But it's also the way that at the end of the episode, uh, we get to find out that Bender has, an apart- uh, has, a, has a closet, which happens to have an amazing view of New York City and, as you mentioned, is huge. Mm. So, uh, well, I say huge. It's like, I think it's like, it's two rooms. It's one decent-sized room and a bedroom off it. Um, the, 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 it's just a really nice design, that tree, as well. Mm, um, but it, made, it It's reminded me of a, another gift that Fry receives, which is a very interesting joke mm. of um, the... The mummy. 
Oh, the chariot. Yeah, the beef jerky, the jerky like, mummy. When when Fry eats his mummy, he says, this is the last straw. I was going to eat that mummy. Yeah, it's a good little The reason pile. I find this interesting is that there's this article going around Tumblr at the moment about how back in the day, mm. Europeans used to actually eat the mummies they found. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I do know that like people believe like mummified remains were used in medicine. I didn't know if people just you know ate them for. Yeah, food, like food. apparently the reason why there aren't more mummies is that we couldn't stop eating them, and I'm horrified, but also I'm horrified by how much I can obviously like. believe that that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I like Professor Fandros, even though he won't be born for hundreds of years. Mm. Um, he's kind of a throwback to. The sort of uh, merciless um, hmm. science of the past. I mean, this is also a, you argue it's a it's a fun way to set up like the future thing about how he does have like doomsday devices and things like that. Mm. I suppose I can still be feared if I get rid of one. <laughs> uh, Just like what what's happened to science? Mm. Uh, but there's a there's a couple of good lines from the professor in this episode like there's the the whole business with the the tiny mummified remains um we have a horrible new the first time he says having news for everybody it's not good news unlike our title mm. um it's actually bad horrible terrible news but that's a nice little nod but the one that got me is when he's on the phone hearing about his friends says, i hope it was quick and painless torn to shreds you say my my and his wife Two shreds, you say, and it's just there's so, there's something about the delivery and the cadence. It's just oh, it's so funny. Like, because obviously we don't hear the other side of just what exactly happened. I think it's just funnier to have that hint of to sh- torn to shreds. It's just like shush. There's a there's a few good um, bits of rep- repetition as jokes, like mm-hmm. like that one, like Amy falling over. There's also. When uh, Bender keeps walking in and out of the apartment, mm-hmm. and all my circuits keeps turning off, and Calculon says, "My terrible secret is," mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and everyone gets annoyed. And then when the comes back, is he says to iterate, "My terrible secret is," and, um, and we also get the moment with the landlady later looking for the source of the uh, oh, interference yeah. it goes to bender beeps and then she moves away to the pile of beer cans and then back and then away and then then it's back it's just like <laughs> that's just that's very that's very um multiple rakes yeah with like <laughs> <laughs> um yeah there's a uh the old lady's interesting there's a line that makes me laugh where she says, I don't know what's going on here with the crab and the one-eyed lady and the Chinese girl. And she's sort of pointing to the, the, the <laughs> ensemble that they have. Um, they're like actually thinking of, there's, a, there's another incredibly minor character that I don't even think's a character. Mm. Um, but there's like a, essentially John DiMaggio does like a camp gay man voice. Yeah. As one of the like crowd. But you do see him in a couple more episodes. Mm-hmm. Um I remember he works in a jewellery store that Zoidberg buys a lot of jewels from in yeah. the episode where they all get that money. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Oh, this episode also, I think, I think, mm-hmm. well, okay, it has it has the first reference, I think, to mutants. Yes, I think so. Even though he went down into old New York and we saw, like, a tentacle monster. Yeah. 
Um, no mutants. No, and I think Bender saying we could live underground with the mutants is kind of the first concrete mm-hmm. reference to them. Yeah. Um, That's an interesting point, actually. Also, there's a difference, because why don't the mutants live in old New York? Because they could. They live in the sewers of new New York, which is a different place, which is an interesting thought. Or maybe they just hadn't had the idea about the mutants when they did old New York. But still, just like a little fire, show them who's boss. And then as we later find out, when they do go meet the mutants, they ain't, they ain't out scared of fire. <laughs> well, I'd be interested to see what the sewers look like. Because I, I kind of remember them, like, old. they sort of retcon them together. Like, mm. the sewers mm-hmm, just kind of mm-hmm. run through old New York. Um, I... Uh, what did I write down? I, I like the way Calculon is... Uh, <laughs> one of my favourite All My Circuits lines as well is, like, we are gathered here to mourn Calculon, industrialist private eye friend. Mind if I take the ceremony? <laughs> Calculon! <laughs> um, it's very good. And also Boxy, or the, the box droid. I yeah. think his is... His half brother or something. His evil half brother, like yeah, she's like, does anyone object to this union? Beep beep. Is he objecting or backing up? I think both. <laughs> um, I I'm just I'm just reading out some lines I liked. I like uh, Bender loves mobs only when he's in them, and you know it. I was um, going to say, there's some there's some really great Leela line. I mean, she's also very kind of arguably naggy in this episode, but. A moment, from the, a moment from the beginning of the episode, and I think it's the first time we really see Fry kind of flirt slash hit on Leela. Mm. Um, when he says about how, uh, oh, when uh, when she said like you need to get a, your own place, and he's like, "Is that an invitation?" And she just looks at him, just like, "Love your optimism there, Fry," <laughs> <laughs> which is just a very fun way of like. I like how it's a playful bit of banter there because. I'm trying to remember. I don't think Fry ever gets into the whole dogged nice guy with Leela. Like, we know he does like her. And as I said, it's very much a, oh, he's basically in love with her. Hmm. But, but not, not I, yeah, it's not so obsession-y, stalkery that, I mean, he still dates other people. And, yeah. Um, I think it, they, they try and work out if they have anything in common. Sure. Um, you mentioned Leela nagging. Oh, yeah, uh, no, this, I've got this written down as well. I bet we've got the exact same thing. <laughs> Would you like to do it then? Uh, yeah, she's like, I can't sit by quietly anymore. And she's like, you haven't. You've been complaining for the past two weeks. Well, I can't just do that anymore either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, it's good. It's very good. Um, but, yeah, a sort it, of Leela as, like... I know, because she's frequently the sensible one, which just becomes amusing when Leela's own traits of a more negative nature. And the fact that she is a bit of a busybody, but mm. like she is really there for Bender as well. Like she does she's, care. Yeah, she's the sensible one, and she also has like a short temper. And mm. um, I, I think it does happen often in these kind of trios when there's the girl and you want to make her the one that's really intelligent mm. and it's all well-meaning and it kind of ends up being well what i what i'm saying is that it, leela could be the uninteresting one yes um but actually like it, it's a I, i'm gonna stop comparing this is not a simpsons podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm gonna stop comparing it to simpsons the whole time but it's one she's one of those characters for like marge who 
first like when you're a kid and you watch you can be a bit annoyed by marge nagging all the time and then Mm. when you grow up you realize how well written she is and how like she has some of the best lines as somebody who is also kind of a mum friend with a short temper (laughs) i can relate quite a lot to, to to leela um sort of like misplaced good intentions some of the time uh but what you're saying about that trio dynamic um I kind of appreciate how they get to rotate that that cool three. Like you, you see like the power trio dynamic of ego, super ego, id, or like the person driving the car, the person navigating and the person in the back seat along for the ride. What I appreciate about that is while they tend to maybe have their sort of ugly default roles in the trio, they do mix it up. Like frequently, like Fry is also the heart of the group. Yeah, yeah. So is like he's up here so usually it's like he's ego leela's super ego and bender is id but they have episodes where that moves around there's episodes where bender gets to be sort of more like the emotional core of the group and there's definitely episodes where leela does and i think that's testament to the writing but how well-rounded they are as characters as well that we don't ever get them sort of pigeonholed together like that yeah i agree so um good work futurama (laughs) um before we read out some tweets, mm-hmm. uh, are there any more lines or moments you want to just say, shout out that have no connection to what we're talking about? <laughs> um, I suppose I, I I really just love the flip of the traditional drunken bender thing where, where mm. Bender is on that all nighter of not drinking and we get all the neon lights coming up and I really need to research what film did that first. But instead yeah, of it being like, I feel bad. It's, yeah. I think Simpsons has done like five of them. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like, but for Ben, it's like library and like water fountain and stuff. It's just like a fun little play. Um, yes, the the uh, neon water fountain sign is one of my favorites. Yes, yeah. um, I suppose one thing I wanted to flag as a both a joke. I was amused by it, and then I was lost, like, ah, oh. um, when we're first talking after Bender gets kicked out. And uh, Bet Leela's talking. Why don't you get the antenna removed? And like Bender's comments, just like, "Oh, cool. This is actually kind of a subtle gag about this is a subtle penis joke. That's nice." And then it's just like, "You're not a robot or a man, so you wouldn't understand." Okay, so it's not such a subtle penis joke then. Okay, no. fine. It's one of those jokes which is like, yeah, yeah. some things land. Like I quite like when the robot um, uh, peace officer picks it up and says like you call that an antenna even though he doesn't actually have one <laughs> um but i don't know it, the, i i also looked it up and the film it is referencing is the 1945 film the lost weekend ah cool um good google bender, good google bender almost exactly replicates a scene in which the main character don berman stumbles drunkly down a street as neon signs pass by excellent um also reference is MC Escher's relativity drawing in one of the apartments they go to. Oh man, that's such a good line. And I love that Fry's the one that says it because Leela's like, ooh, when they arrive. And Fry's the one that says, I don't want to pay for a dimension we're not going to use. Which <laughs> yeah. is such a smart thing to say. It's just such a, it's also just a smart decision to make Fry not spend the whole show fish out of water. Mm-hmm. Like he's just down to earth. Humans mm. are the humans throughout, no matter what mm. time you you know, yeah. I also like the notion this is not Fry's first time like apartment hunting in New York. Like no. <laughs> he gets it. Um 
yeah, I, I, we definitely pay for a garden I don't use. <laughs> when, you're, when you're looking around, you're like, ooh, a garden. And then I have never stepped into it. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, what, did, what, did, uh, what did our lovely folks over on Twitter say to us about the episode? Okay, so um, first we got at Luther underscore self. Um, I find it slightly implausible that Fry didn't find out about the closet sooner, which... When that moment happens, do you feel like, why wasn't that mentioned before? I don't know. I think because it's such an implausible notion that a robot would need a closet. So I don't think why, I don't see why Fry would question mm. that it's there or that he wouldn't have found it sooner. Personally, for me, because he does accept things at face value a lot. Like another person might have found that sooner. But Fry's just there, and then, like, he, the first night he's there five minutes, and, like, Bender then turns the light off and go to sleep. So I, I like... It's it's totally like a bit of a, what is it, do a, a deus ex machina kind of moment. I really like the payoff of it too much to... Yeah. Because I think it's just such a great... Because then Bender gets to be like, you want to live in a closet? Just as a great little callback of him would have been doing... Him having... would The situation that he would have been in that apartment that they were in briefly... Where he was in the closet. It also does make sense that robots would want to have a big space for their possessions, but why do they need... They don't need a bed. They can just turn off. So mm -hmm. it, it, it makes some kind of internal logic-y sense. And I bet they... When they had the initial Fry going into Fry's... Into Bender's apartment scene, they were really careful to make sure Fry didn't ever say, like, where can I store things? Or yeah. He only, he asked, yeah, yeah, he didn't have anything. That's the whole point, because Fry has been living at... He's not had time to get anything. He lives in the same set of clothes all the time, because he's a gross bachelor boy. Mm -hmm. um, another axe we got, and I'm going to make that happen. We're going to say that. Um, from at Chaz Hay. It says, I like this episode. It feels very cosy because they don't leave Earth and there's no delivery plotline. We just hang out with the characters. I can't help but laugh at the gag about Amy slipping on the tiny banana peel twice. <laughs> um, I I'm yeah. such a sucker for slapstick comedy. And I think because <laughs> I know the clumsy girl thing has become a bit sort of a bit of a joke in and of itself. But for me, like because Amy isn't hypersexualized or anything and she's never portrayed in sort of that ditzy dream uh, in that sort of manic pixie dream girl way. It never bothers me that it's one of her things is that she's a klutz. It, mm. it doesn't ever really grate on me the way it can with, oh, I'm so kooky because I trip over things. I'm a clumsy person. It's not especially funny. However, there have definitely been moments where I'm like, if somebody was recording me right now, the laugh track would be kicking off. Like, and <laughs> rightly so. so. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, and, we, and the final one we've already touched on is uh, from at smallseal17, who's, who says, to shreds, you say. And says, uh, the introduction of all my circuits. Also, was this the start of Futurama's pop shots at New Jersey, as we said? Um, was this also where we finally explained why Bender drinks? Yes. Um, which we've talked about. It, it, there's a slight... There's uh, a... Yeah, you go. Well, in the first episode, he says he doesn't need to. And we do... It's kind of like our explanation happens over a few episodes. Because then I think... In the first mom episode, 
He really like explained that all robots need oil, some drink, but you don't have to drink. Mm-hmm. Is that the explanation? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that because yeah, we definitely discussed that in the in when we talked about episode one. Oh, that um, we do have that great gag in this episode where um, we are. Th- oh, excuse me. Uh, where uh, he's talking to, they're in in that food I'm at, and like Bender's knocking back some martinis or something in like a martini glass, and explains about the alcohol thing. And then I was like, "What's the cigars for?" And she's like, "They make me look cool," <laughs> which yep. is just like that's. I love that. Oh, okay. This is a, a genuine reason why Bender drinks the way he does because that's something about robot technology. But he totally smokes as an affectation. Yeah, and that's just really funny to me. I just I I can't stay in awe of the decision to make Bender not written like any robot character before. He's just a guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he does things to look cool, and he's very emotional. Yeah. Um, he's he he in this like it's a, it's a great episode for John DiMaggio's like, kudos to him as a voice as a voice actor. Like Bender goes through like the sheer rawness to him in in parts of this episode it's it's very relatable and very i don't want to say very human but i suppose that is what i mean mm. sorry i um, we, we, uh, i'm working on a, a an actual play podcast where we're playing a sci-fi game we ask lots of questions about what it is to be human and stuff like that so i'm just <laughs> like well actually and the fact that the episode is called our roommate like riffing on asimov it kind mm. of that whole line about what it is to be a robot versus what it is to be human that that's a tangent for another day, perhaps. <laughs> Futurama has very punny, good, smart titles. It does. Um, if you would like to ask us a question for a later episode, uh, you can at us at Futurama Fancast. Okay. Um, we do also have a, a an email address at uh, FuturamaFancast at gmail dot com. Um, I think that's all I have to say about this episode. For sure. Um, I think that's uh, all um, I've got as well. Just check my notes. Yep. Yeah, no, that's me done. Um, guys, i got to say, I'm really excited to talk about uh, the next episode, episode four. Yes. Love Labour's Lost in Space, because it introduces one of my all-time favourite, or two of my all-time favourite characters uh, in this next episode. Three, really. But... Oh, I just I am. He is the very... man with no name. Is <laughs> <laughs> that really good? It's so Sorry, good. I had to say it. No, you I'm did. I'm very excited you about did. that. We like we are big fans of Zap Brannigan in all his awful, and I, I'm really excited to talk about him next week. And Kiff, of course. Kiff, um, I yeah, no, my that my love for Kiff Croker is 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 well known. So, um, um, so join us next week for that, and send in your thought, thoughts and feelings about Zap. And uh, until then, you can also contact us separately. Where can people find you, Jade? I am at Jade Oxford Rose on that uh, on that side with the birds, um, the owls. <laughs> uh, I'm at Hamish Steel. Um, but I guess until next time. This is the crew of the Planet Express ship signing off. I can't remember the sign off. <laughs> so long, jerkwads. All My Circuits is brought to you by RoboFresh. Designed by a robot for a robot.
I've been processing this for some time, Monique, and, well, will you marry me? Oh, Calculon! <gasps> it fits! Then you must know that I'm... Metric, I've always known. But for you, my darling, I'm willing to convert. <laughs> 